0: Strange Brew Podcast, Season 1, Episode 101, our first ever emergency podcast, Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard is a Milwaukee Buck. Let's go. On the ground, a chance here, Durham, to Hardy, to first, it's yes! The Brewers yes! win! Here comes Melvin to the 25, to the 20, Gordon 15, 10, 5, touchdown, Wisconsin, record-breaking run! Morgan, a smash up the middle, face it to center, here comes Gomez, around third, a throw on the Brewers win! Here's the snap, he looks, he throws, it's eight 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 eight. Eight. and there is your Super Bowl Dagger! Booker the drive, gets inside, leans in, backed away and stolen by Holiday! Phoenix has to foul, and a penalty! It down First ever emergency pod because I got to get this out. I don't even know what I'm thinking. My brain is scrambling in a thousand different directions. My brain is a mashed potato pile right now. This is basically the end of my work day right now. I went to go get my oil changed and I was at Culver's having a delightful little lunch, a little butter burger, a little fry action, little concrete mixer. And I was just about to walk back over to the oil change place. And I opened my phone and flipped on Twitter. And I saw the woge bomb. And this is a Woj bomb. <laughs> this is the definition of a Woj bomb. This is an atomic bomb that is going to shake up the entire NBA. And the Milwaukee Bucks are right in the middle of it. I can't, I mean, I just, I still can't believe it. I had to do a double take. Now, I just happened to, to load up Twitter the minute that he tweeted it. It's the first tweet I saw, and he tweeted it one minute ago. You know how they timestamp those things on Twitter one minute ago, and I couldn't wait to get a Facebook post up about it or something, but I had to triple check because, again, my mind is racing, and then I thought, well, there are so many fake accounts, especially as it relates to guys like Woj or Shams or Shefty in the NFL or any of those guys. There are so many... Different accounts out there that are just fake accounts and they tweet things out like that to try to get idiots like me (laughs) to put other information out there to share it because you get so excited about whatever information they're tweeting about. I had to try to gather myself and make sure it wasn't Wojnarowski spelled differently or some parody account or something. No, it was the real deal. After the entire offseason, it sounded like Lillard was going to Miami. That's the only place he wanted to go cue the Will Smith. I don't have access to all my audio clips in here. We're doing this on the fly. (laughs) Just imagine the Will Smith Miami song. I could sing a little bit for you, but that probably wouldn't go well. That was the rumor all year. He wanted out of Portland. He finally wanted to leave Portland after 11 years. After his entire career, he talked about how he wanted to stay with the Trailblazers. He was dedicated to the community. He was locked in to the small market team. He wanted to win there, which I don't doubt. I think that's all true in the moments that he was saying it. It's one thing for that to be said in year four or five or six or seven. He's 11 years in to the NBA now, and the man wants a ring. And there's no question about it. It's the one thing he is missing to cement his legacy as one of the great two guards in NBA history, in modern NBA history. I mean, the man's a Hall of Famer. The Bucs acquired a Hall of Famer today. This is a Hall of Famer. If his career ended right now, his 11-year career, he is in the Hall of Fame. Although the standard in the NBA is a little less strict than that in Major League Baseball or even the NFL, but this is a Hall of Fame player. The Bucks have acquired a Hall of Fame player to put next to their younger Hall of Fame player. He could have just stepped away if he wanted to and said that was it, and that's a Hall of Fame career. Trailblazers fell flat on their face last year. Then they draft a guard, Scoot Henderson, with the second overall pick, which basically looks like his heir apparent. And despite the desire and the want to do what Giannis did and bring a title to a small market team and to be a guy who plays with one team his entire career... At some point, 11 years into your career, and they had a bad year last year, and there's no sign of improvement, and then they draft your replacement, essentially, in the first round instead of getting you help. This is kind of like the Aaron Rodgers thing, or Brett Favre back in the day that got upset about that, when they draft the guy that's going to take your spot instead of giving you help at the final stage of your career on the back half of your prime. Then he said, all right, I guess this is it for me in Portland. It's time for me to try to find something else and chase a title. But he said all offseason, the one place he wanted to go was Miami. He wanted to team up with Jimmy Butler. I'm sure the weather and the scenery in Miami, we'll just say scenery in Miami, is another reason to want to go to Miami over anywhere else. That's what he said initially. That was out there for about a week right after the season wrapped up, and then it just sat, and Miami couldn't come up with a trade package. They have limited capital to send back to Portland, Maybe nothing Portland really wanted in terms of players coming back their way that they could then turn into draft picks or whatever. It just sort of sat out there then like a bobber on the lake for months and months at a time. Recently, the conversation started again, and other teams seemed to be in the mix where the rumor mill had the bucks. Someone threw that out there two or three days ago. NBA Central, I think it was on Twitter. They turned out to be right. They said the Bucs had had conversations. There were a few other teams that were not Miami that had been mentioned. But then yesterday, the post that I saw said, no, it's still Miami. He still only wants to go to Miami. They have to figure out some way to make this happen in Miami. I thought, okay, you know, you feel like the Bucs are like the Packers. They're in on every conversation, but it seems like that's not a place he wants to go. And outside of the one tweet three or four days ago that I saw, nothing connected those two together until today, (laughs) until I was shocked today that Damian Lillard is a buck. I can't say it enough. I don't know how many times I'm going to say it on this podcast. It's like the meow bit in Super Troopers. Set the over-under on 24 and a half. He is a Milwaukee buck. And we're going to get to Drew Holiday leaving and the compensation going back to Portland in a second. This was, in my mind, though, four years ago. And I know it's four years ago. This was the dream combo to me. When the Bucks fell short in 2019... In Toronto, and they lost four games in a row after they were up 2-0 and looked like they were on the way to the NBA Finals, and waiting for them in the Finals would have been an injured, banged-up Golden State team. Hold on, I'm getting texts. <laughs> I'm getting texts left and right. My buddy Tony said, I feel like the Bucks stole Dame. My One of my best buddies, Paul, said, I'm in complete shock. I'm with you. I'm getting texts left and right here. Ting, 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 ting. That was the guy I wanted, though. When we came out of that offseason, or went into that offseason in 2019, before the 2020 year, it was obvious they needed to move on from Eric Bledsoe, despite the fact that Bledsoe was not bad defensively. He just offered you so little offensively, and he didn't have anything in terms of shooting. That was just the clear spot where, when you looked at that roster, Middleton in his prime at that point, Giannis entering his prime at that point, Brooke, who they signed on a waiver that year, that one-year $4 million deal, what a steal that was in 2019. He appeared to be a part of the plans going forward because he had that resurgence with Budenholzer and playing in that drop defense. He looked so good that year, and he was hitting threes and everything. That was the spot, that point guard spot. Where do you find somebody to pair with Giannis for this part of his career? And at that time, it looked to me like if you could just find a way to get Damian Lillard, because even then, Portland was in the playoffs, but they weren't really making runs. Maybe they had made a second-round run. I think at one point in his career there, they did make the... Western Conference Finals, was that the bubble? That might have been the bubble they made it that far. I think that's as far as they got with him. When I looked at the landscape of the NBA, I thought, that's the guy you want. He's undersized, he's not the best defender, but you have other defenders on this team. Giannis is an elite defender, Brooke is an elite defender. And then I'm talking, this is my, my brain working in 2019 after that year ended. That's where we're at right now. That's where I'm at in my head right now. It just felt like you needed a guy who could step up in big moments and knock down a shot because Giannis can get to the rim, and this is still true of Giannis. It it was true in 2019. It's true now. He can get to the rim at will. He's basically a more athletic version of Shaq. You still always felt like you needed somebody to put next to him in addition to Middleton that could knock down a shot. Who's your guy when you need a three-pointer at the end of a game? Who's your guy when you need an 18-footer at the end of the game? And I just always felt like if we could just find a way to get Damian Lillard. That was a pipe dream, though. I didn't think that was going to happen. That was my dream scenario of who could you put next to Giannis for the next four to five years. And then the pandemic year happened. Bucks were pacing for 70 wins, even with Eric Bledsoe. The bubble just took that whole season out. That was never a team that was going to succeed in the bubble. We can all agree the bubble didn't count. Lakers fans. And then in 2021 and that offseason, they make a trade for Drew Holiday, which was Similar thinking, Drew's shot was never as good as Damian Lillard's shot, obviously, but at the end of 2020, that's what they were looking for, an Eric Bledsoe replacement, and they found it in Drew Holiday, and let me just say this about Drew Holiday, we're sad to see Drew go, Drew Holiday, they don't want a title without Drew Holiday, right, That's we all agree on that. Without Drew Holiday, they do not break the title drought. They do not win the championship in 2021. Drew Holiday, it's in the intro package of this podcast, is a part of the single most impactful play that I've ever seen in my lifetime watching the Bucks, and that was the value in Game 5. Him diving down, stealing that ball, having the balls, having the guts to throw that alley-oop, get the and one, Bucks win that, and then they win in 6 and fulfill the prophecy. And Drew Holiday, when he came to the Bucs and as he leaves the Bucs, he is an elite character guy. He is a player everybody wants, a great chemistry guy, very good teammate, so integral in every community that becomes a part of. He and his wife, Lauren, they just dive in. Every city they go into and they put their fingers into everything. All the non all the charitable organizations, they've got their own charitable organization by any measure, he's a guy you want on your team. And they got him. And they win a title the next year. They don't win the title without him. That said, when you looked at the way 2022 ended against Boston and the way last year ended with the historic, in many ways, upset at the hands of the eight-seed Heat in round one, and Drew just he didn't have the same energy. He didn't have the same shot-making ability. He seemed to lack a little poise, especially in that Miami series. I don't know if it was getting into his head, all the stuff, and all the downfalls in the playoffs or his shot dropped off and just things didn't seem to click for him in the playoffs the last two years the way they did right when he came to Milwaukee and the way they did in the regular season. His regular season numbers, you look at those and say, this guy shot 46% from the field and 38% from behind the arc, and he plays top-tier defense. He's an NBA all-defender. Why would you want to get rid of this guy? The playoff performances were just so frustrating. And honestly, he was not even all that good in the 2021 run. He had the value. He made a couple of massive shots in the Brooklyn series. He was relatively quiet in the finals against Phoenix. His play did dip, though, from the regular season of 2021 into the playoffs. It did fall off. Then it fell off in 2022 as well. He had that magnificent play in Boston in the second round. I think it was game four. Five, It must have been. He's just a game five guy. He's a game five on the road guy where he had that block and steal and save against Marcus Smart that got them that road win and put them on the verge of beating the Celtics in six games. He had plays like that, but his level of play dropped off in 2022 in the playoffs, especially his shooting and decision making offensively. And then we saw that in the first round against Miami. It was maddening because you watch this guy for 70 games or whatever he plays in the regular season, 75 games and he feels like a guy that you can roll with as one of your big 3 and then the playoffs hit and it just it just didn't work for whatever reason that's one of the reasons they move on from Drew and another reason they move on from Drew which i just read before we clicked record on this podcast i know there's going to be a lot of debate among bucks fans about why couldn't you give middleton up instead of holiday there are some people that are going to be very happy. It's Giannis, Middleton, and Lillard, and Brooke. I mean, listen to that. Listen to that. That's four of your starting five, everybody. That's insane. You've got Middleton, Giannis, Lillard, and Lopez. But there are going to be some Bucks fans that would have preferred to trade Middleton and keep Drew Holiday. The problem is Middleton signed an extension right after the season ended, and with that extension, they, t- they cannot trade him until February. That's like a rule. And to make this trade happen, obviously, you had to make it happen before the regular season. It was very unlikely if we entered the regular season with Lillard still in Portland that there was going to be a trade deadline deal. That complicated things. So for those that say, we should have gotten rid of Middleton, we should have kept Drew. And anytime Middleton has a bad game in the regular season or Drew, if he stays in Portland, wherever he ends up going, if he is off to a good start... You're going to hear more and more and more of that during the year. They just couldn't do it. They couldn't trade Middleton until February because of the contract extension he had. The same holds true for Brooke with his contract extension. They couldn't trade him. Not that he would be a part of this, but it's a similar thing where with those extensions, both of them signed, you could not trade them until February, which I would assume was a big part of making this deal happen. In addition to losing Drew, you give up Grayson Allen. No one's going to cry tears over that. We really... The Badger-Bucks fans, and that's a large Venn diagram. I don't know that there's a whole lot of not overlap there between Badger fans and Bucks fans. When they got Grayson, even though I felt like he was something they needed, a spot-up shooter, a guy could give you 10 to 12, 13 points a game, we knew his defense was pretty lackluster. But a spot-up shooter, which is what you want around a guy like Giannis, who is not proven still that he can hit consistently a mid-range jumper or a three, He kind of fit with what they needed, but you thought, God, we got to root for Grayson Allen. And by all measure, Grayson Allen was a stand-up guy. I don't think anybody disliked him other than Bulls fans and other fans in the NBA. I don't know that we hated anything that really happened with him in the team. It seemed like he was a good locker room guy, too. He seemed like he got along with a lot of guys. It was tough, though, given the Duke connection and the 2015 National Championship game with the Badgers. And then the way the rest of his college career played out at Duke, it was tough to root for him. It was. It was difficult. And then he had that huge mishap at the end of Game 5 last year against Miami where they were playing hot potato with it, and he ends up just eating it in a situation where a basket would have gotten them. Would it have gotten them to overtime or win the game? I think it would have gotten them to overtime, and he didn't even get a shot off. That will be the last play in the Grace Now Era. They also give up a 2029 first-round pick. Mortex coming in. Our offense is going to be insane. We have to have for we have to have him for the preseason work with him on offense huge win. Yeah, I agree. I mean, getting him before the year is obviously a whole lot better than getting him in the middle of the year. Now you can just integrate him and you get him now with a new head coach where he can get in there in training camp which just started or is going to start and work on it from the ground up. And now you get all these months. These months are going to mean something now. The Bucks haven't had that in a while. Bucks fans haven't had it in a long time in 3 years or 2 years at least where early season regular season games mean something to you. Now we all watch them and we want the Bucks to win. But going into 2021, well I guess coming out of 2021 when they won the title and proved that they could take it as far as you want them to go. I mean that's that's the that's the mountaintop. Once they proved that The 2022 regular season was kind of, eh, you know, whatever. We know they'll get to a two or a three seed, a one or two or a three seed. Same deal with last year as well. Well, now, these early season games in October, November, December, as they are building team chemistry and getting everybody on the same page with a new head coach and now a Hall of Fame guard joining Giannis, Not only is there going to be intrigue just to see it, it's going to be intriguing and compelling basketball to watch them grow together and see how this trends come playoff time. The last few years, you knew they were a top three team in the East and they could kind of lollygag their way to that. And nothing really mattered until you got to March or April. You just wanted to stay healthy, which is still a huge part of it. Uh, These games now, these early season games become much more interesting for this upcoming year. Like I said, Lillard is a Hall of Famer. Lillard is a guy who's also under contract for, I believe, four more seasons. I'm reading it right now. He's under contract this year for 42 million. He's under contract next year for 45. He's under contract. Yeah, he's got four more years, and he's got a player option. Oh no! Wait, the 2022-2023. Okay, so that season's done. All right, so he has three years left on his deal. This year, 2024, 25, 2025, 26, and then he's got a player option for 2026, 27. So he is locked in for three more years. No coincidence that Giannis has two more years left on his deal and a player option then for 2025-2026. And listen, obviously the messaging from Giannis all offseason was heard. He was heard loud and clear. We talked about this on a podcast at some point that he was basically saying all of the same things he was saying going into the 2020 season before he signed his most recent extension. And that's true. He has basically said all the same stuff. He wants to battle for titles. He would love to be a guy that plays for one team his entire career. He would love to mimic some of that, like Hakeem, a guy he's been training with, it looks like, over the last two or three days, Hakeem Olajuwon. He would like to be like that, or like a Kobe that stayed in LA his whole career, but like he said going into the 2020 year, and like he has said this entire offseason, it would feel like he's been, it feels like he's been a bit more vocal about it this offseason. He has said, if the team, if the Bucks or whatever team I'm on, if they are not committed to winning, if they're not committed to putting the best parts around me where we are chasing championships, then I'm going to have to go and find something else. He has said, I'm a championship guy first, and then I will just end up wherever I end up. I'm not going to stay loyal to a fault where I'm on a rebuild or I'm on a bad team or a 6 or 7 or 8 seed and I'm the only attraction that people are coming to see. No, no, no. I'm not going to do that. Well, those messages on all the podcasts he's been doing have been heard. They were heard. You cannot accuse the Bucs or John Horst over the last five years of Giannis's career where they made the move for Drew and now they made the move for Damon. I mean, they are taking big swings. You cannot accuse this Bucks team, and they're spending too. Last year, they were third highest payroll in the NBA, the Milwaukee Bucks. That defies logic. That works against 80% of my Bucks rooting life, that they are in the luxury tax, and they are spending like they're the Yankees or the Dodgers of basketball. You cannot say this team has not spent the money or made the big swing trades to try to make everything work around Giannis and put themselves in a spot where they are competing for titles year-round. I do wonder, too, if this is a little bit of the Jimmy Haslam effect. Jimmy Haslam came over as the co-owner with... Who left? Is Eden still there? Lazarus sold his stake, right? Then Haslam came in, and he joins Eden's now as the co-owners. Haslam, though, is worth more money than anybody in the ownership group. And you wonder if that's a factor, too. I don't know how much this adds to payroll. NBA, you typically have to match up payroll... I don't know how this will all work with the luxury tax either. You wonder if that's a factor here, too, in your ability to go get a guy like this. But Giannis' messaging all offseason was received. (laughs) And they are making about as big a swing as you can make right now to put Damian Lillard next to him. Damian (laughs) Lillard is a buck. I can't stop saying it. And he is going to be here for the next three years, barring some trade or something else happening, and he could be here for a fourth year too. That's a big, big element of this deal going down as well. So now Giannis knows that Lillard's here, beyond the length of Giannis's current contract, Giannis could sign an extension this fall. He could sign it in a month or two, I believe. I have long said there is no reason for him to do that, and I still don't think there is. Even even when you get Lillard, would it be a great show of faith? Would it be a, a... Banner day for Milwaukee if he did, if he said, I'm going to sign this extension even though I don't have to, even though I don't stand to make any more money now than I would in a year or two signing the extension, that would be awesome. We would really appreciate it if he would do that. He doesn't stand to gain anything by doing that. This is another show, though, from the Bucks front office from management, and they are saying... We're going out and getting the big pieces, and the big pieces contract run longer than your contract. Maybe you want to stay. Maybe you want to sign a two-year extension at the end of the current contract you're on. What a day. What a day. I mean, this team becomes the odds-on favorites to win the the championship, right? I'm trying to think of who would be above them. I know the Celtics got poor Zingas. That doesn't compare at all. That's not even close. I'm trying to think of the major deals in the NBA this offseason that would have catapulted somebody beyond now the Bucs with Damian Lillard and Giannis together. I can't think of it. They were always going to be top four, top five, top three, maybe based on some books to be the favorites to win the championship. They are. They've got to be number one now, and they are the going to be the favorite going into this year to win the title. What a day. What a day for Milwaukee sports. Can we say, too, by the way, let's just talk real quick because the Brewers clinched last night that's another huge story. I guess we kind of had to do an emergency podcast because we never would have. This would have been a two-hour podcast on Friday if we had to go over the Brewers clinching the division in weird fashion, but whatever, satisfying fashion. Damian Lillard coming to the Bucks, And Friday, we're going to be recapping, hopefully, a victory Friday with Packers and Lions. That'll be a big part of that podcast. Packers always lead no matter what. Although this may be one of those rare times. I'm trying to think with my newsperson brain, with my sportsperson brain, if I were in charge of putting together a sports cast or a sports show and all of this happened on the same day, what would lead? If this all happened, if the if the Brewers clinched Thursday night and the Bucks made the trade Friday morning on a victory Friday, what would be the lead? It's still the Packers, I think. I think it's still a week four regular season Packer game. That just shows you how gargantuan the Packers are in the brains of Wisconsin sports fans. I do. I think it would still be, even with acquiring a Hall of Fame guard to put next to your Hall of Fame top 20 NBA player of all time, I still think week four Packers win or lose would lead that. I think it would. But we would have had, that podcast would have been jammed up. Brewers clinch last night. They are the NL Central champions. Did it miss a little oomph because they lost and they had to wait for the Cubs to lose? The magic number was at one? Maybe. I saw some Brewer fans or baseball fans that had a dump in their pants about that last night and said, I can't believe you're pouring champagne after a loss. Well, it's one day. (laughs) Baseball's a long season. What they're celebrating is accomplishing one of their first goals. Well, I guess their first goal was clinching the playoffs. Second goal is clinching the division, and then you have other goals. Hopefully, you win in the wild card round. Hopefully, you win in the NLDS. Hopefully, you win a pennant and win the NLCS, and you get to a World Series and win a championship. These are the stepladder of goals. Yes, they lost, and that was disappointing, and it would have been way more fun to celebrate a win. I was there two years ago in 2021 when they won to get their magic number to zero. I was there in 2018, that final Sunday, where they won to force Game 163. And they did win that year to clinch a playoff spot in St. Louis. That was in a win. I was there in 2011 when they clinched a playoff spot at home against the Marlins. I was there in 2008, the final day, where they won. And then the Mets lost in Miami. We all stayed and watched that game. It's a lot of fun. I wasn't there last night, so I can't compare them just in person. It's clearly a ton of fun when your team clinches something important and they do it with a win. Did you backdoor your way in a little bit on one particular day? Sure. But this is a celebration of the 88 wins before that. Every one of those 88 wins put the Cubs, or whatever second-place team it was, Put them in a position where they had to be perfect and the Brewers had to be completely imperfect for an entire week for that other team to get past them and win the division. That's what you're celebrating. Yeah, sometimes it doesn't happen where you win. What if it would have happened on an off day? What if the Brewers, what if the Cubs would have played on Monday and the Brewers had an off day on Monday and the Cubs lost and they clinched the division? You knew they would come back on Tuesday then and have some kind of celebration regardless of the outcome. You know, you can't fix the calendar, you can't do anything about that. It would have been a little better maybe if they win, and that's what takes care of it. But you put yourself in that position. The team put itself in a position where one Cubs loss clinched them the division. They did that. Sometimes I feel like fans, especially baseball fans, that get upset about things like that, they act like it's a one-game year where both the Cubs and Brewers were just playing one game, and because the Cubs lost, that's how the Brewers move on. it, it it's, We've been doing this for six months. <laughs> the, the, the Brewers won 88 games, and they're going to probably win 90 games. And they put themselves in that spot to clinch last night. Maybe it was a tad subdued at AmFam Field as compared to some of the other years I mentioned. But you've got to celebrate, guys. You've got to celebrate. I wrote a blog about this today. When I was a kid, when I was a young warthog, when when I was a young kid, the thought of this team being over 500, the thought of this team winning divisions fairly routinely in the past six years, the thought of this team being in the playoffs routinely, is a foreign concept. You would have been speaking to me in Latin. I would not have believed that any of that is possible. And for that reason, for that little 12-year-old Jonathan in the pit of my stomach, we celebrate everything. I don't care if it was the Brewers loss and the Cubs, or the Cubs loss that got you in, the Brewers lost that day. I don't care if the Brewers were in the middle of a 10-game losing streak and the magic number was at 1 and somebody lost to get them in. I don't care. You celebrate all of these. I watched Glendon Rush make 32 starts in 2002. I watched Brooks Kieschnick, who was both a hitter and a pitcher and was good at neither. I watched them drive bullpen carts out to the bullpen to get him to pinch hit in the ninth inning, only to watch him strike out on three straight pitches for a team that lost 96 games. I watched Kevin Seitzer be an all-star because every team has to have an all-star. I've been through the wars with this team. I've been through the down seasons. 80% of my life, it's been down. Yes, I don't care how it happened. You always celebrate clinching the playoffs. You always celebrate division titles. Never take any of these things for granted because you don't know how long this is going to run. This is like the Andy Bernard at the end of the office. I'd like to know when the good times are so you don't already miss them when they're in the rearview mirror. These are the good times, and there are going to be some tough times. They could lose two games next week and be out. They could make it to the NLDS and get swept by the Dodgers. They could make it to the NLCS and lose in seven to the Braves. They could make it all the way to the World Series and lose to whatever team. There's a long way to go here, and yes, it could all be over in two games next week if you fall on your face or the offense goes dormant and you lose two games to the Marlins or the Cubs or the Reds in the wild card round. Sure, that doesn't mean you don't celebrate now. <laughs> Live in the now. Live in the moment where this team is going to be a 90-win division-winning team. And look, the, bay- the play- baseball playoffs, like we've talked about, it's a quirky crapshoot is the best way I can describe it. Some years... The odds-on favorite, like the Braves are this year, they could steamroll their way, lose two or three games, and win the title and win their second title in three years. Sometimes the sixth seed, like last year, the last team to get in, the Phillies make it all the way to the World Series before losing. Some years you get an 83-win team. Was that the Cardinals in 2006 that went 83-79? and Had no business being in the playoffs in any other division other than the NL Central, and they go on to win the World Series. If you go through any playoff bracket for the history of baseball... Chances are you're going to find some little weird storyline or a team that wasn't expected to make a run, made a run. Maybe they didn't win the title, but they upset a team here or there. You know, it's one of those things. You just have to get in. As we talked about, this is a bite of the Apple franchise because of the payroll. This is a bite of the Apple team. Just get in and see what happens. But you have to get in to give yourself any chance. And they got in. And they got a home series because they won the division. I could not understand why just a few people, it wasn't a lot, but there were just a few people in the comment sections. You click on the Brewers official Twitter page or whatever, and it just felt like some people, no, what are we, we're popping champagne after you lose like a bunch of losers. All right. (laughs) If that's going to be your attitude, you're going to be down a lot of the time. Baseball's too long of a season to be that negative when you clinch a division to be Eeyore about the whole thing. You know, (laughs) celebrate, celebrate the wins. And then we'll see if they get on track tonight. I I did read a Sal Frelick interview where he kind of talked about, yeah, we were a little tight. We were just a little tight after the 16-run outburst on Friday, and then you lose kind of in dramatic fashion on the wild pitch on Saturday. Never really came to life on Sunday in the series loss to Miami. Day off Monday, looked pretty flat last night. But he said, yeah, we kind of felt like we were pressing. And he also said in the same breath, probably a good thing for a young team. Probably a good thing for a young team to go through this and it is a young team to understand what it's like to have that pressure on. You're one game away, and now maybe you learn that lesson of being too tight, and you can apply it when they get into the wild card round and they're playing home playoff games next week. Freelick to talk about that. Plus, it's always great to see Euchre. Euchre just hamming it up with champagne all over himself. You think 89-year-old Bob Euchre cares whether or not they got in on a day where they lost? Hell no. He's going to go in there and enjoy it. He's at that stage of life. You just enjoy all the moments. And we all should be doing that regardless of age. But I know 89-year-old Mr. Baseball could not care less about the way they got in or the way they clinched the division. He was in there having a great time with the boys. I did love Rowdy Telez with the Stone Cold Steve Austin in the interview at the end of it. He had two 24-ounce mineral lights. Not two tall boys. Two mega tall boys that he was slamming as they were enjoying a division title last night. That was fun to watch. What a... 24 hours, or what, a 15 hours in Milwaukee sports where the Brewers clinch the division as the Cubs lose. I did sort of feel for Suzuki. Say is Suzuki the right fielder for the Cubs? Wow. What a way to lose it. I was watching that game on TBS, and once it became clear the Brewers weren't going to win, I flipped over to that. Cubs were up 6-0. Then it was 6-5, and they had it. It was a can of corn out that would have ended that inning. They would have had a 6-5 lead going into the ninth inning, and he just whiffed it. Just wild that that's how you get in. But you get to watch that. Brewers celebrate with champagne, and then 18 hours later, Damian Lillard is a Milwaukee Buck. Let's end this emergency 30-minute podcast where we started. <laughs> Damian Lillard is a Milwaukee Buck. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. We'll be back after it on Friday. We're still going to talk some about this. We're going to hopefully talk about the Brewers getting a couple wins and getting back on track before that final regular season series with the Cubs. Brewers have a chance, too, to stonewall the Cubs. The Cubs are a half game up on Miami. Miami starts... A doubleheader, I think, in 45 minutes. I'm recording this at 20 after two. I think they play at 310. They've got two in New York today against the Mets, then two more against the Mets on Thursday. It must be two doubleheaders in a row. And then they've got Pittsburgh for the final three of the year. Cubs have two more in Atlanta and then three in Milwaukee. I think the Brewers are going to have a chance where if they win two of three or they sweep that series, and they're going to try to win. I did have a text on the B93 morning show say, do you try to – prevent the Cubs from getting in. Well, the players that will be playing for the Brewers are going to be trying to win the game, whatever game they're in. That is one of the great myths in sports, is that once you clinch a spot and none of this stuff means anything, that players throttle down. Players don't throttle down. Managers might. Craig Council might pull a pitcher a little bit earlier than he normally would, but the players that are going to be wearing the Brewer jerseys on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday against the Cubs, they're trying to win. They're trying to collect hits. They're trying to get more money on their next contract. They're not going to be messing around. Oh, we made the playoffs. Let's just shift it down into first gear here. The players that will be on the field will be trying 110% to win those games, and it looks like there would be an opportunity if they win that series or they sweep that series. That may keep the Cubs out, and then that would send probably either Miami or Cincinnati to Milwaukee. We'll have a clearer picture of that on Friday. We'll be talking Packers-Lions. There were rumors yesterday that Christian Watson—well, not rumors. Christian Watson basically said he's playing on Thursday— and then I think it was Romeo Dobbs said that they were going to get Aaron Jones back on Thursday, too. Matt LaFleur rolled those statements back. That might have been a young team <laughs> talking a little bit out of turn when they shouldn't have been. Because the reporters talked to the players first. Then they talked to LaFleur. And LaFleur said, whoa, 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 whoa. These guys still have to be medically cleared to play. We're not in a spot where we're saying one way or the other whether we're getting these guys back. But the players seem to think Aaron Jones and Christian Watson will be on the field on Thursday against Detroit. Detroit's still a one-point favorite or a a one-and-a-half-point favorite entering play on Thursday. We'll be recapping that, hopefully a victory Friday. We will be talking more about the Brewers, and we will still be digesting this massive nugget, Damian Lillard, to the Bucks. We'll chat with you Friday. Have a good rest of your week.